0: Thank you, all right. You're going to see me holding my phone today, and that's because I'm trying. Uh, so we're trying something new. I'm going to try to change the slides on my phone. I'm not. I'm not on Facebook. Don't worry. But good morning. I'm glad that you're here. Um, if you didn't catch the very beginning, you're at Monterey Baptist Church. Oh no. Um, like I said, happy to have you. Um, Over the the next few weeks, we're going to be changing the the series that we're doing. So we started off the new year talking about the new year and and having a gospel revolution. And now we're going to take the the coming weeks to just talk about the gospel. A lot about the gospel. Gospel today, gospel tomorrow, gospel next week, gospel the week after that. I want to fill you so full of the gospel that your heart is just overflowing, because where does the overflow of your heart go? It comes out of your mouth. It goes out into the world, and it and it proclaims gospel. It proclaims good news, and so that's that's what we want to do over the next few weeks: is just talk about the gospel. It is so beautiful. It's so deep, and it's so wide that we're not going to be able to talk a lot about all of the things. You can never exhaust it. But this, this morning, I want to just talk about the, the, the basics, the absolute essentials of the gospel. But I want to start with reading together. So I, I want us to read this aloud together. This is Romans 1.16, just the first part of it. Let's read this aloud together. "'For I am not ashamed of the gospel.'" For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Not ashamed. We're not ashamed of the gospel, amen? Amen. It's good news. Have you ever been ashamed of good news? Oh, I just won the lottery. I'm so ashamed. Oh, my football team just won. I'm so ashamed. Good news is never something to be ashamed about. Is there ever a bad time to tell someone good news? There's really not. There's really not. Good news is welcome. Good news is always welcome. And so that's where we want to be. We want to have an understanding that, that the gospel is something that we're proud of, absolutely proud of. Jesus is some, is, we're absolutely proud of. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Amen. Now, you'll find the word gospel flying around pretty much every church. Gospel. The word itself is a little unusual. It's been through 2,000 years of, of stuff. Originally, it comes from the Greek word euangelion. Yeah? Aren't you glad that we don't say euangelion a lot? Euangelion. But it means good news. It means a good message early in Jesus' ministry, very, very early. He announced that he had come to bring good news, and I think it would be helpful to read that together this morning. This is Luke four eighteen, and Jesus is in a synagogue, and he's teaching. He's, uh, he's grabbed the scroll of Isaiah, the book of Isaiah. It's on a scroll at the time, and he's reading it, and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Now, poor here means people who need God. Not, not, not necessarily uh, uh, financially poor, m- uh, more importantly, spiritually poor. The people who are in need of God, who need something spiritually. So Jesus is reading and he's saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me. Anointed means Messiah, the anointed one is the Messiah, the Christ. He has anointed me to proclaim good news, the gospel, to the poor, people who need God. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he said, He rolled up the scroll, he gave it back to the attendant, he sat down, and all the eyes turned to him in the synagogue, and he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus says, I am that one. I am that anointed one. I am the Messiah. I am the Christ. Messiah is Hebrew. Christ is Greek. They mean the anointed one. Jesus says, "I am that anointed one. I have come to bring good news to people who need God, who were in need of, of by God. That's me." Jesus is all about the gospel, the good news. That gospel, that word gospel, when it gets translated later into English, the old English translation was God's spell, God's message which ended up quickly becoming gospel. You see that? God's spell, gospel. So the gospel is the good news that Jesus taught. It also sort of frustratingly happens to be what we call the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They are the gospels as a type of literature. The gospel is the message that Jesus taught. So we call those biographies about Jesus to be gospels. It's also a kind of music, gospel music, okay? But the gospel is the good news that Jesus taught, the good news that Jesus taught. We're gonna be talking about that this morning. We're gonna take a big picture, a 50,000-foot look at what is the gospel. We're not gonna cover these things very deeply. I'm gonna leave some stuff out. Please don't come up to me after church and say, but you didn't say this about the gospel. There's a lot that I'm not gonna say this morning, just covering the absolute essentials of the gospel. We're going to use 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 11, to get there. This is going to uh, be the jumping place for our discussion. If you have a Bible, please open there. We'll have it up on the screen. It's also in in your bulletin. If you're using the red Bibles under the chairs, it's on page 961. And we're going to be coming back to this one for the next half hour, so having it available will be good for you. Now, this is Paul. Paul is is one of the apostles, one of Jesus' closest followers. He's writing to the church in Corinth, a a church that he helped start. He's going to recap the message that he preached to them originally, along with part of his own story. He says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received. Now here's, this is the message that Paul heard, and then what he preached to them. Here it is, that Christ died for our sins, in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, then to the 12, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, and here Paul is sharing some of his own story, last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. It's good news. In your outline or in your Bible, if you look back at verse 3, I want to start unpacking the core elements of that gospel. Verse 3, For I delivered to you as of first importance that which, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. And you, you can stop right there because we're going we're gonna to hit two core elements really early on. The first thing that we see is that the, as the absol- this, as gospel absolutely must start right here. For I delivered to you, which I also received, that Christ. Circle that, underline it in your outline, in your Bible, if you, if you do that. The very first part of the gospel is Jesus. Who is Jesus? The way I wrote it in your outline is that the first core element of the gospel is Jesus' life. Okay, getting Jesus right is essential to the gospel, which is why when, uh, when people come and knock on your door and they're from the, they're from the Jehovah's Witnesses and they say, that Jesus was actually an angel. And you can say, honestly, getting Jesus right is the very first part of the gospel. And if you believe something that's different from what the Bible says about Jesus, you're not believing, whatever you believe, that's not the gospel. It, you, you believe something But it's not the good news that Jesus preached. It's not the good news that Jesus brought. Jesus' life, who Jesus is, is absolutely essential to the gospel. There isn't any good news without Jesus being the anointed, holy Son of God, who is also, in some divine mystery, also God himself. You have to get Jesus right. If you believe he's an angel or a good man who wasn't divine or something else, You believe something that's not the gospel. So Paul starts his recap in First Corinthians fifteen, our passage this morning, by talking about Jesus as Christ. He is the Messiah. He's part of a plan that God's been promising for a very long time. And then He and then He brought Jesus. Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, is the anointed Holy One of God. And he is God Himself. I added in your in your outline, which I, I'm not going to cover deeply. Uh, how Paul starts his letter to the Romans, where he identifies Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God, and Lord, which is is a divine title when it's used like that. That Paul understands who Jesus is, and that's the first part of the gospel. The point is that the gospel starts with Jesus. Amen. You don't have a gospel without Jesus. You can't share the gospel without talking about Jesus. It's impossible. We'll go more into that in the future. But for now, let's talk about this passage. Let's go back to verse 3. The second core part of the gospel is also in verse 3, which says, For I deliver to you, as of first importance, what I also received: that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. As part of God's plan, Jesus Christ died for our sins. Getting Jesus right and understanding who he is, the very fact that he was uh, sent by God and that he is God, that's important. And then to understand that he came and what did he do? He died for our sins. In your outline, I'm, I'm calling that the cross. You have to understand the gospel as being Jesus, who he is, his his holy, sinless life, and that he took that life, that divine, holy, sinless life, and he got up on the cross for our sins. In the Bible, the consequence of sin is death and separation from God. It's like that since the very beginning, all the way back to Genesis 2. So Jesus had to die because death is the, is the punishment for sin. Jesus had to die to atone for wrongs done. Were they his wrongs? No, because number one, Jesus is God. He is holy and he is sinless. So when Jesus died on the cross, he paid a penalty that he didn't owe. Whose penalty did he pay? Ours. He paid for the penalty of the world, of all of the world's sins. So it looks like this, if you want to put it into an equation, Jesus didn't sin, but he died to pay for sins. Therefore, Jesus paid for sins that weren't his. Jesus himself referred to his death as a ransom. He said, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve. And in what way? To give his life as a ransom for many. Now this paints a picture Of a hostage situation. Who's the hostage? You are. That that Satan owns you. The devil owns you when you do his work. When you do something bad, you become become a, a slave to sin. That's how the Bible puts it in Romans 6. You become a slave to sin. Romans 5. And in a hostage situation, the person who is holding the hostage, you're the hostage, so the devil has a ransom. What has to be paid to get you back? Life. Someone's life. And Jesus says that I have come to serve and to give my life as a ransom to buy you back from who was holding you hostage. Jesus purchased you with his blood from the grip of the devil. And it's hard to think about that, and if you're not a believer, it's hard to think about being in the devil's grip, because you're thinking, I'm not in the devil's grip. I don't, I don't do devil things all the time. That's crazy, right? None of us do devil things all the time. Well, maybe there's a couple. But most of us aren't constantly doing the devil's work, right? I do good things. I do some, I do some decent things in the world. I'm not a bad person all the time. I'm not evil, The point that the Bible makes is that because you do evil things at all, it makes you a part of a part of what the devil is doing in the world, that he is breaking the world, that God wants everything to be perfect. And when it's not, it's because we did bad stuff. And who did we do bad stuff on behalf of? Without realizing it, we did it on behalf of the, of the one who is, who is trying to break the world, and that's the devil. Without realizing it. Without realizing it. But Jesus came to buy you back. He gave his life because your sin, my sin, our sins deserve death. Death. Life is a gift that comes from God so that we can honor him. When we don't honor him, we lose the right to that life. And that's why the wages of sin is death. But Jesus, Jesus died for our sake, to buy us back. He is our ransom. And that's what happened on the cross. The the word that we use for that is, is the atonement. What happened on the cross is Jesus atoned for us. He made amends for what what, what we had done wrong. Not what we what, what he had done wrong, but what we had done wrong. But when we look at the cross, is he still up there? No, he's not. So part of the cross is also his resurrection. Because Jesus didn't stay up there. He's not still up there. He's not still buried. He's alive. He's alive. And that is the absolute core of who we are, is that Jesus is alive. Amen. If he's not alive, we're stupid. We're foolish. We, we, we do all this stuff for no reason at all. If Jesus is not alive, the Bible says, Paul says, that all of our, that we are the most to be pitied out of everyone in the world because we believe something that's so foolish. So Jesus' life, who he is, that he's the Son of God, the Messiah, holy and sinless, that he came and that he died. Not because he owed it, but because, because we did. But because he didn't owe it, the grave could not keep him. Amen? Amen. And, and he came back to life. God brought him back to life. So his death and resurrection, the atonement on the cross. Acts 2, 24 says, God raised him from the dead freeing him from the agony of death because it was not possible for death to keep its hold on him. So God brought Jesus back to life and Jesus is now victorious. Victorious. He's victorious over sin because he never sinned. He's victorious over death because the grave couldn't hold him. So how's that good news? Yeah. So there was a, there was a, someone named Jesus and he he lived and he was perfect and then he died and then he came back to life go Jesus what does that have to do with me that's great story cool story what does that have to do with us how is that good news for me well the gospel doesn't stop there the third part of the gospel is how that applies to us so go back to that passage from 1 Corinthians 15 in your outline or in your bible Look down to verses 10 and 11. Here's what it says. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that's with me. Whether then it was they or or I or they, so we preached and so you believed. The word grace is important for us. Grace is unmerited favor, Grace points to uh, the gifts of God. It points to the fact that God would give you something that you don't deserve. That you haven't earned something, but he, he offers it to you anyway. In verse 10, Paul wrote that by the grace of God, I am what I am. He's saying that he has become, he's become something new by God's grace, that God has offered him something and he's become new as a gift from God, a gift that came through the gospel, which he, in verse 11, says, which we believe. This is the third core element of the gospel. For simplicity's sake, I'm going to call it new life. New life. So the gospel starts with Jesus' life, and who is Jesus, and how did he live, and what does that mean? And that he died on the cross for sins that were not his, and then he came back to life victorious over sin, victorious over Satan, victorious over death, and then in his new victorious life, he offers us new life. He offers us something new, to become something new in him. That victory, his victory, when he offers that to us, that victory means forgiveness. Because Jesus conquered sin and death, and he says, now that I've won, I'm extending that out to you as a gift. This is grace. You don't deserve it because you're guilty, but I paid for what you've done here. I've done something for you here. It's a gift The Bible calls salvation a gift. It's just freely offered. It's just given to you. You just have to take it. You don't have to do anything. It's like Christmas. You just have to wake up. It's there. You just have to take it. And what is it? It's forgiveness. Where God separates you from your sin like the East from the West, and He'll remember it no more. You're forgiven. He offers that to you, no matter what you've done, no matter matter what you've done, no matter who you are, he offers it to you, forgiveness, but not just forgiveness, something else, a new heart, a new life. Where the Bible says, Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. This is how Paul describes this new life. He says, I've been crucified with Christ. Christ. I've died with him, and it's no longer I who live. This isn't me, but it's Christ who lives in me. This that I have, this life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is offered to you. It's not just forgiveness. It's new life, and it's a new life where you're called to godliness, to be like Jesus, Not to just go back to everything the way that it was before, but to live new. And that new life also includes eternal life, because it's forgiveness. New life means heaven, amen? But it also means a spiritually new life today, a life in Christ. 1 Peter 3.18 says that, For Christ also suffered once for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. Why did Jesus die for your sins? So that you could be forgiven, but also so that you could could become closer to God, that that he might bring us to God. And Romans 6, 6 says that we've been freed now from the power of sin. Amen? Amen. Amen. Sin doesn't have that grip on us like it used to because Jesus has changed our hearts. We are still tempted. We are still living in this world. We still go through our ups and our downs, but sin does not have the power over us that it did before because Jesus has changed our soul. That's That's the gospel. But I I think Jesus put it best. This is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus, Jesus did something. God did something for us because we couldn't do it for ourselves. When you go out in the world, when you're, when you're shopping at, at Costco, Or Dollar Tree. When you're at the gas station, when you're out at lunch, and you look around the room, every single person that you're looking at, every single person, has done wrong by God. Has sinned. Has done some kind of evil. Has lied. Has cheated. Has stolen something. Every single person has done wrong. Every single person deserves death. But Jesus came and he did something. He did something and he offers it. He did something up there. And he offers it to everyone. Jesus died for the sins of the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that if whoever believes in him will have eternal life. The key to unlocking that is just believing that Jesus is who he says that he is. (laughs) Believing the gospel, that Jesus is the son of God, that he is God's plan for for bringing us back to him, for offering us forgiveness. That Jesus is who he says that he is and that he died for our sins. And if you believe that, he offers you forgiveness. A clean slate. Total washing and cleansing of everything that you've ever done in your whole life. And a new life. A life that belongs to him. A life that honors him. Bow your heads. With every eye closed, every head bowed, I want you to think about what Jesus said, but I want you to make it about you. For, for you, I want you to say in your heart, for God so loved Aaron that he gave his only son. That if Aaron believes in him, that, that I won't perish, but I'll have eternal life. Say that about yourself. That for God so loved the world, for God so loved you. You've messed up, you haven't lived right, you haven't done the things that you should, you aren't the person that you want to be. But God loves you so much that he made a way for you to come back. if you've never trusted Jesus with your life, this good news that he offers forgiveness, it comes as a free gift if you believe. The Bible says that if you confess that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. It's as simple as that that if you believe, if you repent, and if you follow Jesus, you'll be saved and forgiven and given a new life. Look up here for a second. We love talking about the good news. It's so beautiful. If you, if you haven't given your life to Jesus, do it right now. It's something. It's a, it's a contract that you make with God where you say, I'm done. I'm not going to follow my own ways anymore. I'm just going to follow you. And it's something that for those of us who, who belong to Jesus, uh, we pretty much do on a regular basis of dying to ourselves and becoming Alive in Jesus, constantly giving up the things that we want so that we can be more like Jesus. But if if you haven't ever done that before, let me encourage you to do that today. But we love to talk about the gospel because there's never a bad time for good news. But the hard part about the gospel is looking very closely at what Jesus did for us. Amen because talking about how it's great, Jesus came and he did something. We were stuck, absolutely stuck. There was no way for us to get right with God because we had already done wrong, okay? The thing about sin is you can't fix it, right? Ever punch somebody in the face? You can't fix it. You can't just, whoop, take it back. It doesn't work, okay? Have you ever said something that hurt somebody? You can't just pull it back in. It's already done. The damage is done. Sin can't be fixed. It can be forgiven. It can only be forgiven. And we couldn't do that. I can't forgive myself as much as Oprah wants me to. You can't forgive yourself. You're stuck. And then Jesus came and he did something. He did something, and then he says, I've done something for you. If you believe in me, I'll forgive you, and you'll be with me in my victory. My victory will cover you if you give your life to me, because I've already won. The hard part, that's the good part. That's the wonderful part. The hard part is looking really closely at what happened, because looking at that cross, sometimes it means victory, amen? It means gospel, amen? But sometimes it means death and it means sin, and it means wrath. And it can't always mean something good, great, and glorious without looking at the gory part of it. The truth is that Jesus told us when he he got together with his closest followers the night before he died, and he took bread, and he took wine, and he broke the bread, and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And he said, this is the cup, which is poured out for you. This is the, the cup of the new covenant, which is written in my blood, and I give it up for you. And he tells them, and he tells us, to do this, remembering what it cost. This fellowship that we have, this church that we have, as we come together and we we gather in the name of Jesus and we glorify him, it came at a price. That cross is a bloody, bloody cross. Because Jesus didn't just make a gift and offer it to you. He was beaten and he was bruised and he was spit on and he was mocked. And he died, he really, really died so that he could buy you back. Are you living like that? Are you living in a way that respects what Jesus paid for you? We're gonna take the Lord's Supper this morning and that's what we're remembering when we take it. It's what Jesus paid so that we could have this life so that we could know him, so that we could pray and know that he's listening to us, so that we could feel his love, so that we could have his hope, so that we could be filled with his joy and we could know the gospel. The price for that was his body and his blood. So take a minute.